spiritually. That's why a church home is so important. It, uh, but why people don't like it is very obvious if you talk to people. That's why that uh, weddings are not very popular, and in our particular area, we may not see it as much, but uh, statistics prove that people are living together, even for a number of years, that are, have never been married. And uh, these non-denominational churches where you attend and uh, you're not a member, they're to the, that individual family or individual person, they think, well, I don't have no responsibility there because I'm not a member there. I don't belong to that particular church. The same way that people that I have talked to and some have asked me if I would marry them after they had lived together for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. I mean, old people, you know, like, like me and, uh, you know, you wonder why, you know, that, that takes place. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, you know, tells us, you know, why that things are important. And notice in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, the writer of Hebrews, Luke says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together at the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as to see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation, but if I sin and I'm saved, God's going to deal with me. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ did on the cross, saved my soul, paid my sins, but if I'm disobedient, just like it is when we're in, you know, we break the law, there is a penalty. And when we sin after God has saved us, there is a penalty. Well, that means nobody wanting a body, you know, that is... uh, to have any authority, you know, it's it's really pretty simple. None of us like anybody else telling us what to do. But once we're saved and the Lord saves us, I believe a true child of God, after they have taught, want to be obedient to the Word of God. Now, why you need church membership or a church home as I entitled it. it. It identifies me with fellow believers. You know. And I always found it amazing you know to be a Mason you got to join the Mason 
and somebody has tried to invite you, you know. And uh, uh, so church membership identifies me with fellow believers. We hopefully that everybody that is baptized comes forward for baptism because they have acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they want to be obedient to the Word of God. And uh, they understand that. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says, notice, Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You know, we, you know, I had a person ask me, what has that got to do with the church? Well, the book of Ephesians is a church letter. It is a letter to the church of Ephesus. So everything in that book pertains to getting into the church by salvation and baptism and being obedient. And now, Paul said, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. You know, that's uh, a one of my wife's kin, you know, they belong to a non-denominational and, and, you know, and so I asked them, I said, you know, you don't have to have to tell me, but, you know, but uh, he was pretty open and he said, I have no responsibility. Well, if you have no responsibility, then you're not in the church of God, and I doubt very seriously if you're in the family of God, because that's one of the things that is uh, our problem now, that our families are falling apart because they don't want to follow the family tradition, or they don't want to follow what they've been taught as a child, and we go on and on. But uh, God tells us, you know, uh, in First Peter chapter two, verse nine and ten, reminds us what a great privilege it is to be partner with the family of God. You know, notice here, First Peter chapter two and verse nine, God says. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's why that we believe that everybody in the church, everybody that comes before the church, everybody that joins the church, need to make sure they're saved. And we are to make sure to the best of our ability as we talk to them or have conversations with them. Because nobody should be a member of any church and actually, if you want to be just totally honest and let God's word make the decision, 
No lost person, even though they may have been baptized, they may have taught Sunday's truth, they may have preached, they may have done anything, if they were not truly saved, they were never a member of the church. You've got to be saved. God only adds saved people to the church. And so every, every Christian needs a church home or they need a group of people that they can depend. You know, we, uh, you know, I believe in prayer. You know, I always have. I've seen God answer prayer. So when one is sick, you know, I take the prayer list and I, and I put, you know, uh, my wife, you know, I can tell you Today, you know, she she is getting worse. She's getting weaker. So I can say, I want your prayers. But I should have your prayers for my wife without asking because they're part of the church family and we are to pray for every member. But if you're not a church member, then someone can ask, and we honor that to the best of our ability. But uh, church membership identifies me with fellow believers. It allows for genuine friendship, healthy relationship, and voluntary accountability. Now, you know, if I approach Steve and I no, Steve is doing something that will hurt him and eventually will affect the church. I can tell how strong of a Christian he is by how he accepts me coming to him in private and saying, hey, we need to work on that. The average church member says, it's none of your business. Well, when... That is sad. They don't understand the responsibility they have to everybody else and the responsibility everybody else has to them because what we do, we get offensive. You know, it's nobody's business. Well, it's nobody's business what you do unless it affects the church. When it affects the church, then it affects the community and when it affects the community, it affects the church. You know, uh, we, you know, you can run that thing all the way around a circle. But if uh, I'll pick on Steve again, he's on, he closer. If see, if Steve goes down to the uh, dollar store and he uh, gets mad and says things to the cheaper that he shouldn't. You say, well, that's just between him and the dollar store. It may have been this afternoon, but it won't be Monday. So, you know, that's why that people, you know, nobody wants to be responsible. But you have a responsible as a church member to uplift the church you're a member of, but also realize that that church, that Jesus built it. He started it. And every true child of God, he added it to that church. You may have got out of your seat and walked forward, but if you're truly 
following the Lord, the Lord calls you. You know, and uh, that's why every Christian needs a church home. Uh, allows for genuine fellowship, healthy relationship, and voluntary accountability. The importance of godly friendship and the difference that right influence can make in our lives must be understood by believers. We've got to understand that, that everything that you do, if it don't affect, let's cut the church out a minute. If I think... I can't go out here and do what I want to do, which is wrong, and it don't affect my family. It does. You know, I've been told that by my own kids. I've been told it by people. Oh, you know, what I do don't affect you. It's just me. If my kids go out here and do something that's wrong, it affects me. If they're part of the church, it affects the church. You know, I don't see why that is so hard to understand because, I mean, uh, the Bible says here in James chapter 5, James chapter 5 and verse 16, you know, God says, confess your uh, faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual reverent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Now, you know, I can, I can ask you, you know, are, are you comfortable going to any member and ask them privately to pray for you? This is when me and you go. And if I'm right, there are some members do not feel comfortable going to another member and saying, you pray for me. This is between me and you. I want you to pray for me. But we ought to be able to do that with every member. And every member ought to be able to do that with one another. See, it's, uh, you know, because if somebody comes to you and asks you to pray for you, you know what they're doing? They're saying, I believe you got a hotline to the Lord. I'll not go to a disciplined member, a backslidden member, person that is doing whatever they want to, and ask them to pray for my wife, or to pray for my children, or to pray for our church. It's silly and it's hypocrisy. God does not answer the prayers of a lost person. The only prayer a lost person can pray is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But yet, we know, but the Joe is, you know, they're, they're a good person, right? They're honest. You could tell Joe not to tell anybody something, and you've got confidence they won't. But see, there's a lot of good lost people but you're not saved because you're good. You're saved because God touched your heart. And when God touched your heart and you've been taught, you know it's your responsibility now to pray for every member. 
and that is uh, that is just hard for some reason for people to be able to do that. You know, I, uh, Proverbs uh, twenty-seven, verse seventeen. You know, uh, Proverbs twenty-seven, verse. 17. God says here, Arn sharpened arn, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. You don't take an iron, piece of iron, and try to sharpen it against plastic. Well, God says, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's not hard. He gives us a simple illustration. You know, I got a knife sharpener, round steel, and I take it and throw it back, you know. Probably don't know how to do it right, but at least I've got the right tools. But I wouldn't take the knife and put me a piece of plastic and try to sharpen it. So that's why that we have confidence, confidence. On my bulletin, last two or three weeks, and it'll remain there for a while. I believe prayer box, prayer box, prayer box. You know, we need to pray for the prayer box because we all got people, you know, I won't say all, but, you know, I put prayer requests in that prayer box. And I ought to have confidence that the membership sometime during the day is going to say, Lord, remember those names in the prayer box. But see, if I wasn't a member, then I can ask somebody, but have somebody asked you to uh, put your name on a prayer list and, you know, that was on Thursday and by Sunday you Forget about it. And if if that doesn't happen to you, it's happened to me. You know. But when we are part of the body, you know, it enables burdens to be shared and loads to be lightened. To be light. What Paul meant that he wrote the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. He said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He said, well, I can't help that person. Yes, you can. If you're in the will of God, you can pray for that person. You can pray for that person. I've I've been impressed myself with the Ukrainian people, the people over in that country. Whether it's set up, I don't know, but he, you know, here was that re- reporter asking this mother, had two kids, and you know, her husband stayed back to fight. And what do you need? Do you need food and clothes and shelter? And she said, yes, I need all of those things, but I need the prayers of God's people. Because when God's people pray, lost people, lost people round up most of the time given to those things a lot more than saved people do. Why, I don't know. But, but you know, uh, 
we got confidence in prayer. It builds a prayer network for mutual intercession. You know, that's why we put this thing on Facebook. But, you know, if I say pray for my wife and, you know, I'll, I'll say four or five. That don't mean y'all praying. You're just acknowledging that that request has been asked. See, the prayer is between you and the Lord. See, our responsibility is to ask for that prayer. So uh, it builds a network where you know that, hey, you know, I've got people who love me and love the Lord. They're praying for whatever that need is. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 said, Exhort therefore that first of all, notice, supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2, I say, O me, so many times, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. See, I have a hard time praying for our leaders who only care about their self. Who when you look and it's all public knowledge where they're worth millions and sometimes billions of dollars and they're taking the taxpayer's money to do all this stuff that don't make a lick of sense to anybody that's halfway awake. You know. All of you seen how the gas has gone up this week. Think it's going to go up some more? Absolutely. What are we doing about it? We're accepting all this fine, fine oil from the enemy. You know, and I, I get upset about it. But if everybody in the United States would pray and ask God to wake our president up, something could happen. places me under a spiritual protection of godly leaders. Notice what God said in Hebrews. What a wonderful book Hebrews is. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and the 17th verse. God said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. God says, pray for them. Obey them that have the rule 
over the years. Acts 20, 28 says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. See, it's not the key that, you know, I've got enough outlines and sermons and stuff in my head. I could preach eight or nine services in a row if I had the physical strength. But it's not just preaching, but preaching what God lays on your heart. And that's why that he said, you know, take heed unto yourselves. Talking to pastors. I believe it's talking to fathers, talking to Sunday school teachers, but it's especially pastors. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. What is my job? To feed the church of God. And, you know, it's just like meals, you know. Sometimes my wife fixes a meal, and I love it. Sometimes I just eat it because she fixed it. You know, it's not my favorite food or not whatever. But I, I never, I never tell her, that's the worst meal I've ever ate. Because she's making that out of love, and God is protecting me out of love. And if I'm under the leadership of the Spirit of God, I'm preaching what I'm preaching and teaching what I'm teaching because I love my flock. You don't discipline your child. The only reason you discipline your child is because you love them. You don't discipline because you can. You know. God tells us we provide a mean to honor God financially by supporting local and world evangelism. Paul speaks to the Philippian church and commended them for their generosity. You know, we got to realize that we don't take, we don't take offerings from other people. I mean, you know, that's not how we plan it. If someone wants to give the church something, and that has happened, but they understood that they wanted to give because of respect for me or respect for some of y'all or respect. Respects us for, for the church. <clears throat> but God tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 14, God said, notice, he said, do all things without murmuring and disputing. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom he shined as lights in the world. You know, he just goes on and says, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I offend, if I offer, excuse me, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also 
do ye rejoice and rejoice with me. And that's one thing that I can say, and I use the word proud in a, hopefully a, the, the right way. I'm thankful and I'm, that I can get excited when God blesses somebody else. You know, because he didn't bless that person because he's something special. He blessed that person because evidently they had been faithful. They loved the Lord. And when we are obedient to the Lord, he always blesses. Always. But many blessings we don't realize that he's blessed us. You know. Now, when they had passed through some cities, you know, in the New Testament realm when they were going out and being obedient to the, to the Lord. You know, we can see that in the book of Acts. It gives us an example that uh, Acts, the 17th chapter, Acts 17, verse 1, God said, And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollo and Thessalonica, uh, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening, opening, and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the third, risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Notice verse 4. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the sheep women not a few. It shows you that how God blesses not just in the church but outside the church when we're doing God's will and his word. What that does, that creates an opportunity to discover and exercise my spiritual gifts. The church is composed of many different types of people who, with the Lord's help, are united to create a uniquely gifted body of Christ. You know, that's what he said in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. You know, Notice 12, Romans 12, verse 6. Having them differ, differing among the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, our ministry let us wait on our ministering, and he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorted on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rule with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Romans 12, 6 through 8. We don't have this, all the same ability, but God has given you an ability, and it may be that you're pleasant. That means that not a person coming into the fellowship that you don't speak to or, 
or I mean, whatever that is, if that's your natural ability, we do it, and God blesses us for it. But not all of us the same. You know, Romans, still in Romans, verse 4 and 5, you know, connect me to something eternal and more significant than myself. You know, that's what it's about. The local church serves as a powerful reminder that we are not created just for temporary life on earth. I'm going to glory one day. And I'm not going to just sit there and talk to Grandma. I'm going to worship God throughout eternity. I'm going to worship God throughout eternity. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one to another, having them gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy uh, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering, so are he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorted on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So, you know, we all, you know, every part of that engine that you drove your car in are important, but they all don't serve the same function. But it takes every one of them so that when you push that button or turn that key, that it starts. You know, your car stops running, not everything usually goes bad as one, one thing. But when that engine is working the way it's supposed to be, you get in, you start, you go. When a church, when a church family is doing what we're supposed to do, God blesses us. And our last point, the one institution Jesus set out to build was the church. I mean, he tells us that in Matthew 6. Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means all the power of Satan. You know, Jesus loved the church. That's what he tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. The church belongs to him, and our existence was made possible through his sacrifice. God had not sacrificed, we would have no church. And our church, as we know it today, is here. And if you read the Trail of Blood, there's a portion that shows just miles of, with people's head that gave their life so we can worship. I mean, God's is 
what we need to understand as we close this morning is in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse uh, 28. He said, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. That's the first thing. I've got to keep my life in tune with God. And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to do what? To feed the church of God which he has purchased, purchased with his own blood. The primary job of every pastor is to feed the flock. But not only me, but I'm sure you, every independent missionary Baptist church spends more time doing other things than he does preparing. Because we as individuals need to realize God has blessed you, he's saved you, and he's added you to a church. And the least that we can do is to pray every day for our church and every member. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity.